Hi, welcome to Let's Watch a Full Length Movie on YouTube, otherwise known on podcast as L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T with Mike Spiegelman and Carl. Hi, Carl. Hi, Lawaflamot. L-W-A. Yeah. So, Carl, what's the movie today? What movie are we watching on YouTube with our audience? Okay, we are immediately going to Candy the Movie. and So you go to your YouTube search and put in Candy 1968, and it'll come up immediately, and the one to choose is Air... Baja, A-I-R-B-A-J-A, Air Baja. Air Baja. Okay, and uh, because this, we, our title is we watch a full-length movie, but we just don't watch all of it. But this movie is full-length, so <laughs> we're covered. So we want you to skip right to three minutes and six seconds. Yeah, the film's just a little long, folks. So Yeah, we'll talk about it. So no worries yeah. about that. We'll, we'll, we'll tune you in for what you missed for the first three minutes of this two-hour Megafest. Go ahead and get to three minutes and six seconds. You might as well pause the podcast while you do it. If you're yeah, doing it live, right. God bless you. Good yeah, luck. I think, I, I think we killed enough time. So we have the Countdown King himself, the right. maestro of numbers, the Let's Get Ready to Brumba. Will you please give it up <laughs> for Edge of the Sanity's podcast host. Let's get ready to Brumba! Paul Brumba. Yes, here he is. All right, you guys know the drill. That's right. Get your finger over that little triangle and do it in three, two, and one. Go. Launch. Uh, so we're starting oh. off with candy. <laughs> I gotta get Paul yeah. off the mic. <laughs> Paul, you're still on the air. <laughs> I know. She just she looks right at us. So so candy is a high school kid, and all 50 year old guys like us are in love with her. Exactly. Well, not not like us. All 50 year old guys, but they're all like their own thing. Not like us. Well, isn't it? Uh, we missed the opening credits, but we're, these old guys are Richard Burton. Marlon yeah. Brando, John, John Austin from yes. uh, Ad- oh there he is there's Austin and Paul Brumbaugh and Paul Brumbaugh <laughs> in the back <laughs> and Walter Matthau Walter Matthau that's right yeah you'll see who there's a I'm cast sorry, of characters here the oh well all right I didn't hear the question this is uh, based I picked this movie uh, because it, I flopped. 50 years ago. <laughs> well, it lost 25 grand in the end of all the box office. Oh, that's not bad, but that's 1968, 25 grand. Yes, which is 10 to- like a $250,000. So it's still for a movie company, it might be okay. Oh, that's not so bad. And yeah. uh, can, you, can you clear it up for me? Because I know this is a kind of a modern day parody of uh, Candide, but who right. wrote the screenplay? Uh, the guy who wrote The Graduate. Um, Fuck Henry. His name, yes, Buck Henry. Buck Henry. Right. Not to be confused and with Fuck Terry. He was still working on this film, the script, as they were filming. Oh, that's a good sign. Yeah, they yeah. had him in a room. Nah, 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 nah. What do you want? Coffee? We'll bring it. Buck. Sit down. We need. Well, Casablanca was the same deal. Uh, the oh. Epstein brothers were writing it. So this is a, maybe, perhaps, therefore, the new Casablanca. Well, okay. Okay, so basically what's happened Catch is she was daydreaming in class. And her father, who's also her teacher, who's also her father, who's also her teacher, is seeing her after class saying, you know, shame, shame. And uh, we're basically seeing his insecurities. I know what they say behind my back. No, they don't, Daddy. 
She's so, her voice is so... It's cute. Go ahead, listen to it for a moment. They do? Of course they do. They think you're a swell teacher. I don't see anything wrong with her voice. Oh, thank you, honey. Oh, God, if this movie was made today, she'll be, like, talking in questions. I don't know. Glad we had this little chat. And she'd be doing that, I can't, that I'm not taking a breath voice. You know, Daddy. Oh, Daddy. Oh, Daddy. Now, look, look, look. There's a little sexual tension here, and it's creepy. Right? It is, well, it is creepy, yeah. But, I mean, doesn't the father know that she's, like... doesn't hurry up, she's going to be late. Come on! He's a fine young man. Who is? Well, you see, at the way, way end, it ties in what just happened. That's all we're going to see. Just that little sexual, oh, that was awkward. And then at the end of the film, it's going to pay off. Well, can you, well, we're not, we're not ever going to get to the end of this film. (laughs) We're We're just, I think we can make that part. All right. Oh, oh, you think we can make the incest part? Fingers crossed. (laughs) <laughs> okay, this is Manifesto. This is Manifesto. He's like a rock star poet. Oh, like me. <laughs> yeah, back yeah. in the yeah in the nineties. Yep. Yep. And um, there's always wind blowing on him. Everybody else, there's no wind. Ooh, that's a good uh, design. Oh yeah, look at that. Oh yeah, he's Manifesto. He's Manifesto. He's a poet, like a rock star poet. He's Richard Burton. <laughs> Way later in the film, Candy makes reference to Elizabeth Taylor, and I've, oh. I every time I watch this, I think is, is that intentional? Like, oh, it has to be. Is that be, just a, they're inseparable? I, I, she was pretty famous, uh, you know. Are you having glitches in your your show? Yes, okay. I'm sorry about that. No, 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 so it's good. I just let audience there's glitches, but we have a full length movie here. Yeah, this is the best copy that is out there. There's another copy. It's two hours and 30 minutes. It just wouldn't work for us, and that's it. So yeah. Yeah, I, I heard it was a longer it. version. Now, um, this Buck Henry guy is trying to make fun of an a existing poet. It's... Um, Bob Dylan. No, it's Dylan Thomas. Oh, Dylan Thomas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he's going to make fun of... He's going to do his kind of... Poetry. Do you know if Bob Dylan marries Dylan Thomas, his name would be Bob yeah, Dylan Thomas? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Wait. let's listen to all right. Bled in the triumph the of my dream dim days, where I stood steaming brightly in the sleep spun, sight stunned glimmer of that eagle crest. Oh, this is so Tom Elian. It's so Bob Dylan Thomas, isn't it? Tom Elliott. So Tom. And now he's going to end with lust. Okay. That's what Candy's all about. But Candine is an innocent, right? Candide is an innocent when it comes to sex, and that's the whole Voltaire's whole... Well, if you you mean the Voltaire... Okay, so right. yeah, it was a sheltered life in a paradise, the internet's telling me. Uh-huh. Indoctrinated with optimism by his mentor, his mentor, Professor Pangloss. Okay, there's an abrupt end to that lifestyle, followed by a slow and painful disillusionment as he witnesses and experiences great hardship in the world. So in the end, Voltaire's work concludes rejecting optimism, advocating a practical precept. We huh. must cultivate our own garden. Be reasonable, man. I had to read this book in college, and I said, Professor, don't you just jerk off like every other person? Okay, so tell me how sexual it was, because I can't catch that from the internet. It was, it was, she's an innocent. So basically, these old lustful guys who have sexual experience, they want one thing, and she has no clue. 
And that's where the comedy comes. She's kind of like the, you know, the innocent, the fool who, uh, yeah. Well, everyone else goes. I don't know. It's been a while. You know, I'm not really into Voltron. You know, because I'm more a Transformer guy. <laughs> <He's> my, yeah. <laughs> I'm stealing that. I'm stealing that. Oh, I told one of your oh, jokes to my family, and they groaned so welcome. long. They, you're they, welcome to it. Okay. Well, here's the joke I told. I told one of your jokes. I said, "Hey, okay. what does Venus, our cat, and a remote control have in common?" They both went, what? They both have paws. <laughs> oof. <laughs> they booed you, right? Yeah, they did. Well, no, the kids nowadays oh. say oof. O-O-F. It's an yeah, internet so thing. I, that was in my A stuff, and I had to take it out because you never know. Like, 50% of the time, that joke is like, oh, you're stupid. You know? <laughs> so I just didn't want to take them. I, I rolled the dice every set. You know? I just didn't want to do it anymore. So, like, it's, it's dead. Did one audience member say, listen, my cat lost her paws in Vietnam, and I don't appreciate that joke. <laughs> I don't. You offended. Uh, what we just missed is Manifesto interrupted his brave poetry to pitch uh, a book. Uh, if you'd write to this address in New Jersey with $3, money order, and everybody was writing it down. <laughs> oh, so there's so your Buck Henry awesome. humor right there. <laughs> now, from what I understand, there is a novel called Candy, which is based on Candide, which is by Terry Southern, yeah. who's another like cult uh, comedy right. guy, and that's I guess who Buck Henry adapted that book. And they have yeah, it. and the <clears throat> go ahead, girl. I I, I, I was just going to say the internet says he kept true to it, but go ahead. I was going to say that they both have an SNL connection. You know, Buck Henry was in several of the early episodes, uh, seasons. That's the Buck Henry who wrote this. Yes, yeah, wow, Samurai, now respect. Samurai Dry Cleaner, Samurai Delicatessen. Mm-hmm. That's Buck Henry, the one he played the creepy uncle with the touchy games with Lorraine <laughs> Newton and Gilda Radner. That's I'm him. with you. And he also, I believe, he wrote First Family, the movie we all like with Gilda Radner. Yeah, yeah. So I like that. He's film. a cult guy. He, he shows up as Liz Lemon's dad uh, in Thirty Rock. Uh huh. Okay. Henry. He says, "Oh, we're gonna have a lemon party." Yeah, uh, I know. Yeah. Who you're t- oh, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, but Terry Southern was a friends with Michael O'Donohue, and Michael O'Donohue, when he during the '80s when SNL was trying to get its legs back, uh, was hired. He hired Terry Southern, and he wrote nothing but shit, uh-huh. and they never put it up, and uh, it was just an awful experience for everybody involved. Oh. From what I read, from what I read, <laughs> I don't know the man personally. I don't know Terry Southern personally. Perhaps. All right, let's give him another oh, listen. Because Candy's taking notice of what he's saying. It's all about giving oneself. Just giving exactly. Oneself. Who is this? Mc okay, Christopher? so Don, this is uh, the original Gomez Adams, right? Yeah, you can tell that voice and anywhere. He, yes, and all he's saying is, "Who is this Mephisto?" He goes, uh, you don't know a famous. I think my mom met him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> I'm serious, recently. Richard Burton or Mephesta? Mephesta. <laughs> John Austin. <laughs> John Austin. Oh, yeah. oh, oh, oh. Their paths have crossed in Los Angeles. Gotcha. Yeah. That is a cool thing about being in LA or New York. Oh, he's got his scarf stuck in the door. Yeah. Guys, don't you hate I have that? that- don't yeah, you hate getting yourself right here? <laughs> you know, a new uh, scarf stop it'll prevent you from getting it slammed on the door. Thanks to Scott <laughs> Scarf Stop, no more embarrassing board meeting introductions. Product placement. Oh, they love him. 
so he's going to now give a note for Candy. Is it a, a <laughs> phone number? Yeah, kind of thing, yeah. Hotel, no tell, room 17. Now watch, they kiss the floor. They kiss the stairs. Oh, that Richard Burton walks on? They're probably yeah, looking for alcohol. so bad. He probably, alcohol probably excused from his pores onto the floor. Well, you're right about alcohol on the floor because he is going to spill that shit. <laughs> You'll see. Oh, good. So, so far we have two celebrities, right? We have John Austin, who was very well respected, and Mr. Richard Burton in 1968. Yeah. And he's still doing, he'll always do his I'm drinking. Uh-huh. You know. Well, he didn't know the cameras were running. always going to be that guy. <laughs> he didn't. <laughs> so the note said, see me, you know, after. And so she goes, he goes, what's your name? She goes, Candy. And she goes, I love it. With its biblical, it's almost biblical sounding. <laughs> <laughs> what book is that from? Yeah, right. Yeah. Listen, if Candy was from the Old Testament, from the books of Torah, it would be like that nasty dry candy. <laughs> <laughs> It'd either be hard candy your aunt has, or it's that uh, dry shit. She was the Magdalene. Oh, Candy Magdalene, the uh, virgin candy. <laughs> candy from 1968. There's other movies. There's, have you ever seen a film called Hard Candy with Ellen Page? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a probably. Guy. She, uh, this, well, uh, the guy from the Watch Watchmen. Uh, He's a photographer, and he asked her to come by, and he actually wants to seduce this underage kid. Uh, well, you know, statutory rape, and uh, she knows it. And so the tables are churned, and she torments the fuck out of him. Oh, oh yes, I've seen it. I've seen it. Yeah. I saw it. Yep. Yep. So there's not this candy. That, okay, so I don't know. That movie was uncomfortable because in the beginning, something uncomfortable is happening. And then when she flips on him, she's just as criminal. It's, it's, it's just like, you deserve it, bad guy. Right. So I'm going to do all my evil acts. I don't, you know, like, it, it felt like, really too compact and neat. Do you know what I mean? Like the moment the revenge comes in. And there's something to be said that not everything in life has a revenge tale to it. Uh, right, that's that it's, really important. Yeah, it's like a Rube Goldberg design where you know we're going to go through this, 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 and she's going to do this, 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 and uh, yeah, it's an awkward film. How about that? Yeah, and that fake she did with ketchup or uh, no? What did she do? Uh, she she was going to cut it off and <laughs> yeah, she did something to his. Uh, she put like uh, uh, potato chip bag clips onto his balls, and he really thought they were cut or something like that. And then he looks down and it says Pringles on it. And he's like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> you know those little clips you put on your potato chip bags to keep them fresh? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's why well, she put them on her balls. Well, I do that sometimes because it smooths the skin. Oh, well, I, I used to use lye. <laughs> it's a stretch. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's good because lye is the new Botox. Yeah, because what the lye does is it goes into the wrinkles and you can watch it like drip down <laughs> like mercury. <laughs> that'll iron your balls. That'll clean. Yeah, that'll iron your wrinkly balls. By the way, don't put lye on your balls. No, no, no. Listen, if you're listening at home, go get the lie. <laughs> oh, oh, we recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna smooth it out. Take the boat off. Well, you gotta. Okay, so yeah. I don't know. It's gonna be the first seduction. I guess I should responsibly tell you. So she actually has sex in this movie. See, well, that's a question, Mike. 
there's one time she certainly does have sex for sure. But the other times, are they just implications? As you watch it with me, you'll see what I mean. All right. And if there are just implications, then why doesn't the author tell us or the director real clearly she never gets it until this one part? I, I don't know. Well, maybe she does get it, but they just, as a film, right. they just kind of discreetly move the camera to the window or something. That's possible, too. You, you'll check it out with me. So they're in the backseat of Richard Burton's uh, town car. Right. And he's got vodka on tap. Oh, that's classic. And basically, he's pitching her that she knows that she's one who gives. And oh, she's like, yeah. yes. And then he's like, I have my need, my need. Now, the director made a glass floor so we could see what's going on from the bottom. Oh, well, thank we could God. see upper skirt, I guess. I don't know. It's an artistic decision. Yeah, right. It's the glass. Now, look, yeah. his feet just kicked the vodka, and oh, it's gosh. pouring onto the floor now. Oh, the tap of vodka? The car tap? Yeah, his, his shirt is in it now. His jacket, rather. Yeah. Oh, well, I guess Richard Burton smells better now. <laughs> so here they're clearly kissing she's and she's a, allowing it she's like I it's I know your need but I'm just not ready like she's huh. like she still goes with it okay so they're they've arrived at home and Zero the it's not really a driver has interrupted him by mistake uh, Ringo Ringo now Ringo has a Terry Southern connection Terry Southern wrote the movie The Magic Christian which has Ringo in it Yup, and which is a better film. It was yeah. with Peter Sellers. Yeah, and it's a mess too. But it's, it's a fun. It up on the ground. Oh yeah. I'm sorry, I interrupted because you're right. It, it is a mess too. It starts at one point and doesn't get to somewhere. It just goes straight through strange situations. He's licking the gla- the floor of the car, and we're seeing it from that glass floor that the director used. Yeah, stupid, and it's. Uh, it's not believable because he's got vodka on tap and he's a rich, rich poet. He doesn't right. need to lick it off the floor so it doesn't go bad. Dylan Thomas never licked vodka off a car floor. <laughs> we don't know. We don't. <laughs> you got to write from what you know. We should mention that uh, we are streaming this show live on MuniRadio.fm. We wanted to jump into this movie. Uh, and we do this every Sunday, 2 to 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 5 to 7 on the East Coast. And today is March twenty, March 17th. I thought I was going to get the right. date right. Buy tickets to go see us March 24 at yeah. Scotty's Comedy Cove. In we're we're performing Jersey. live together uh, in New Jersey next Sunday on the 24th at Scotty's Comedy Cove, formerly Scotty's Steakhouse in, in uh, <laughs> Simpsons. But that was so formerly. Yeah, there was Pirate Smuggler's Cove. Yeah. <laughs> New Jersey uh, illegal hooch, right? Like <laughs> New Yorkers welcome. So... Uh, uh, we'll be doing that show at 7 p.m. If you're in New Jersey, we want you to go. All right, we we yeah, have go to Eventbrite and start typing in the promote your podcast comedy show at Scotty's, and it'll pop up. There's going to be other comedians who have podcasts. If you believe that on the showcase, and I'm actually going to be broadcasting from San Francisco via Skype to Springfield, New Jersey. So that yeah, if that's right. not worth your ticket, then fuck off. <laughs> yeah, really. Be real, I, dude. <laughs> I get so tired promoting shows. I'm just like, you know what? Fuck you. Oh, did I ever tell you that story, Carl? When I was in the 90s, I had a show and we had flyers and I was walking okay. around barking, right? And I was passing out flyers. And I said to this guy, want a flyer? We have a show. And he goes, no. And I said, fuck you. 
Oh, really? Yes. Oh, did it? But did you say it out of like your feelings were hurt? Like, yeah. Well, I think it's a combination of everything. I mean, the show is a death. <laughs> I mean, I'm. I'm one of those guys. I'm not from New York City, Carl. When it comes to comedy, yeah. I don't bark. If I'm outside right. barking, that means the show sucks so hardcore that the <laughs> person running it goes, "Can you go outside and bark?" Just, I don't want to yeah. bark on Vanessa. I mean, you know, no one's going to be like, "Oh, that sounds great. I'll stop what I'm doing. I'll come in." Absolutely not. Okay, so Candy took pity on him and just get get, get him out of these dirty clothes. He's stinking drunk. He's you, is, you know his clothes are horrible. So. They put him in the basement of Candy's house, sort of like a holding pen, a little prison. She's got a uh, nice gets... basement. Yeah, well, she's going to... See, Ringo Starr is playing a Mexican. It doesn't make sense. His name is Emmanuel, and he says stupid stuff like, Emmanuel, good boy! Emmanuel, good boy! <laughs> like, he thinks Candy is asking him to have sex, like in a Three's Company moment. Oh, He's right. going to get the ironing board to bring it into the basement, and he thinks there'll be a sexual encounter... And he's like very religious. M- meanwhile, Mephesto is who it's for, and he's falling in love with the mannequin. <laughs> oh, well, good. He's so drunk. The mannequin's acting reminds him of Elizabeth Bert- Taylor. <laughs> Actually, Elizabeth yeah. Taylor's a good actress. Yeah, I know. She is. She really killed Here's him. The, the iron. Take these pants off. Okay. Saw, what was the movie we saw with uh, the two of them on the cliff? Oh, my God. Um, Boom! It's really good. Boom. Boom. Yeah, that's right. That and John point. Houston, is he the director? It's like, if you don't like Boom, he doesn't like you. <laughs> John Houston. Now, Ringo just made the stairs pop up by mistake. I would like to say, take a good look at Ringo. This is not that guy, Ringo. This is Beetle. A Beetle. Okay. In a movie, A Beetle. Oh. It's 1968, probably filmed in 67. He was in Help. And yeah, if help. you look at him, he looks like the White Album. Yeah, you're right. He's got the hair CV talks. He's got the mustache trimmed and he's got the bowl cut. Yep. He's not wearing. I mean, it's still beat. You know, just a few years ago was Beatlemania. Like three years ago, he's like, he's the shit. He's the Beatle. I got a good. I got a good game. Which Beatle was in the most movies? Well, oh, that's a good game. Okay, so John Lennon wasn't in, but. Or do documentaries count? Well, no, he was in How I Won the War, or How Did right. I Win the War, Daddy, or whatever the fuck that Lester... Uh, no, How I Won the War. And then, that was it. I don't think he played anything else. You yeah, know? I guess I have to agree. Um, we know Paul made his own film, but... We did, we did give my regards to Broad Street. You can find that on our uh, on our website. Let's watch full-length movie on YouTube.blogspot.com. There's a link to that. Uh, and then... <laughs> What else? Paul McCartney, did he do a cameo in a movie? They're like, oh, I love Paul McCartney. I can't afford tickets. Oh, I'm Paul McCartney. I'm, tr- I'm trying to stretch my brain and think of what's, it. What's Ringo doing? He's like stripping well, her down. Oh, uh, okay. So so he's very religious. So he's like, those are evil men. You are tempting me. Right? And so he kind of like gives up and says, all right, I'll do it. But look, their, their pelvis is never... Meanwhile, Richard Burton's doing the same thing with... Uh, <laughs> with then, the mannequin and his driver is just watching look, have a drink look how their pelvises are not touching see yeah. the director's showing us over and over that their pelvises don't touch I don't think this that he does it huh That's he was in Yellow Submarine he oh, was yeah. in uh, uh, he was not in Yellow yeah Magic Christian at the end they were in Yellow Submarine he was in Help 
Well, all right. Oh, at so the end of Magic Christian? He was in uh, that Frank Zappa movie, 200 Motels. He was in Caveman from the 80s. He Caveman, was, right. He was in Give Your Regards to Broad Street, the Paul McCartney yeah. movie. And I think that was really it. I don't think he was in a movie in the last 20 years, 30 years. I, I, I don't think so either. I think after Caveman, it cooled down. Okay, now. We can see that it's hot and heavy, and since it's 1968, they're over-showing us that. But look who walks in. Uh-oh, G- Gomez. Daddy in, like the PTA. Oh, and he's, uh, <laughs> and she's sleeping with the gardener. Yes, but is she? She. They've held the system well, in touch. Now, this is his me. twin brother, Don Adams, too. It's Uncle Jack. You know what's your Go- Gomez he's Adams. Christian. Gomez Adams, too. Yeah. Don Adams is from Get Smart. Right, right. Oops. Oops. One of those Adams. There's Lydia, Aunt Lydia, the in-law of Uncle Jack. Mr. Christian's down there like, where did I go wrong? (laughs) And he's up there saying, you're not getting enough yourself, um, brother. And then Lydia's up here going, you're going to love New York. You know, like it's full of hippies. You know, you're going to... And then she goes, I hate to leave Daddy when he's so bad. Let's hear her voice again. Uh, all right. I hate to leave Daddy when... Oh, yeah. Daddy broke all water on us. On the pool table, eh? He, she sounds this just like John Austin. My Polaroid. Please, please. This is my daughter you're talking about. I know that, but after all... You can see the line on the map. the brother. Yes, yes. They're in the same scene together. It ain't CGI, right? No, it's not a CGI. It takes a lot. Now, because... this is a little funny. He okay. plays a... Hello, joke. Christian Sporting House. Boarding House. I see. Well, thank you very much. <clears throat> By the way, your sister's here, and she's already made over 200 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> I got to use that light. <laughs> okay, so she's getting sent to New York. Now, look how the fast transition. It's day. It's dusk. Right, they're on the freeway. It's even dusker. Yeah, now they're in the parkway. And now it's night. Or, well, in a second. And that's it? They made it to New York in one day? No, no. They're just going to the airport. It makes no kind of sense. Oh, that's so funny. Is there music? Like, let's see. Oh, just car sound effects. So there's Ringo on the back of, like, a motorcycle gang kind of feeling. And really, it's his sisters who are very angry that Candy has shamed uh, Ringo's honor. He was studying to be a priest. You know, they're very religious. I don't think she asked him for him to molest her. Uh, yes, yeah. of course. And that's part of the point that I think the movie is making. Okay. Like, everything happens to Candy, who doesn't do anything to anyone in all these scenes. It's like the world's fucked up is the statement of this Voltaire, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, let's take a listen. Oh, they're saying it's pull over. Cars sounded so much better back then. Is that a bullet <laughs> from 1968? It sounded like they were really driving, right? Yeah. Uh, like a spaceship. I don't know what kind of car it is, so I guess we'll see a good shot of it soon enough. It's probably a Ford. I haven't seen a movie where the card wasn't a Ford. <laughs> Now, is that because of product placement, or is yeah. it all they could afford? <laughs> we could. Uh, <clears throat> that's a good one. I'm so going to tell my family time, that. 
uh, Ricky Lake was in a movie and she was getting into a Rolls Royce and she goes, oh, a, whoa, a Rolls Royce. That's like the Cadillac of cars. That's a great joke. I love the Cadillac of cars. That's like Die Hard in the building. Oh, the ironies. <laughs> Did you ever see Skyscraper? That that was like Die Hard mm. in, the, in the building. I didn't see. Well, who was the star of Skyscraper? The Rock. Oh, uh, nope, nope. And it was. I think it was. Okay, goodbye. so here they're on the tarmac. Okay. And the girls now, the the sisters now confront them, and they're saying stupid stuff like "Give me the chicken." <laughs> you want to listen? Yeah, all right, hang a second. Look, why don't you folks just say what it is you want, for God's sake? We want the little chicken. What? What? Little chicken? What? What in heaven's name are you people talking about? Yeah, give us the little chicken. Give her to yeah. us. What in the name? Now, now, look, you people. This isn't some godforsaken border town where you can just uh, <laughs> go about as you please and, and, and bother innocent people and do... do I, he's laying it down. I, th- I think... Cool he, you, uh, sisters. No, no, you people. He's been calling them you people for the last two minutes. <laughs> now, here comes uh, Gomez with the Uncle Jack, with the worst ever. He's going to offer them a watch if you leave us alone. We don't want your stinky watch. Oh, is that going to say that? Oh, that, you know, that's, what, that's what they always say in Mexico. We don't need your stinking badges. We don't need your stinking watches. It's, Buck Henry, that was lazy writing. It really was. Well, well in 1968, referencing the uh, that movie, what was it? The you're Bogart right. Film. It was closer to when. You're right. Maybe it wasn't tired. I, I think it, it got tired of in the, the 60s because part of it was that the revival of those movies from the 30s and 40s were mm-hmm. peaking in the college campuses according to Mike Spookwood's book of movie history. And uh, therefore, the, a reunion happened. It's like quoting uh, W.C. Fields or something. Uh-huh. That's from my book. Uh, Mike Spiegelman knows everything about movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, um, I, I've always told you that I've read that, and I have. You know what book I've been reading lately? Cover to cover. What? It's, it's another movie book. It's called Hollywood Dogs Who Drink. Oh, I heard of that one. Uh, I'm not smart enough to like review it or something, but definitely they were something about Lassie. They were calling the bar. Oh, right, right. Well, so Lassie, he was a very quiet drunk, and uh, he, he preferred his privacy, and he was on Sunset Strip. He was at the Formosa, and uh, the phone oh, rang, God. and the bartender took it up, and he said, no. You know, Lassie was there. He had his own booth, and the bartender said, oh, you're calling for Lassie? He's not here. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll give him the message. Thanks, bye. And he hung up. He said, Lassie, that was your family. They want you to come home. But I was reading a more later. T- <laughs> <laughs> was he get- there? Could you phone home when you're free? Uh, but no, he wasn't a Hollywood dog. He you- was a fake Muppet. But, you know, th- I think that he was a very quiet drunk, you had said. But I mean, not like Beethoven. Well, Beethoven, from the Beethoven movies, he was a me. He was a loud drunk. He would go up to you and knock your, your solo cup out of your hands and go, ba 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 ba, a Beethoven <laughs> bitch. Like Pluto. Yeah. You know, he, it wasn't called in the script for him to slowly shake water all over Charles Grodin's bed. He yeah, just did it because he was an asshole. asshole. Yeah. You know, I was reading the later <laughs> chapters. The Chihuahua from the Taco Bell Chihuahua. Yeah. Thank God. He said that that job saved his life because he was so drunk. Oh. All he wanted to eat was Taco Bell. So it really gotcha. worked. Yeah, it really worked out. They took notice, and it was a good marriage. It was a good mix. Yeah, a little okay, too. Okay, now. Okay. 
I'm sorry to interrupt you. Ringo is now pretty much saying goodbye, and we're not going to see Ringo for the rest of the film, and it's too bad because he's – I love the Beatles, and he's a Beatle at this time. Who's saving them is Walter Matthau. Okay, and this is a Walter military – Walter Matthau's like, hop on this ship. Yeah, hop on this plane. Oh, all right. So they haven't even left the airport yet. Right. They are leaving right now. Walter Matthau saw people in trouble, and he said, come quick. Now watch. Daddy gets hit on the head. Mr. Oh no! Whacked, whacked really hard, and that's the plot. Now they close the aft to the plane. Oh, there it is. There's Ringo. Bye, Ringo. Goodbye, Ringo. For your very racist betrayal of a Mexican. Right. So then, so Gomez can say to you, "You people." Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah, I recommend it. Give us a little chicken. Ringo Starr has a great YouTube video, and it's from a couple years ago, where he says he's no longer answering fan mail. <laughs> Just, it's too much. I've done it for years. He has done it As for years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, he's no famously no photos. No more photos. I uh, would like to announce that in 2007 or <laughs> whatever. Yeah. yeah. I just can't do it anymore. I'm done. I'm sure by 2006, it's just like, my mom likes you. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. Would you please autograph this glossy picture? I've been the biggest Beatle. Ethel Johnson in <laughs> Des Moines, Iowa. So I could die peacefully. Okay, you should listen to Walter Matthau right. a little. So they've hopped on to I'm Walter Matthau. Can I try Walter Matthau before we play him? Okay, yeah, see if you can do him. Felix. All right, here we go. Lick facts are damn near interchangeable. Oh, that was pretty close. I may not have been first in my class, but I know one or two things about trickery and deceit. Basically, we're going to parody the right-wing extremist military man, you know, and just make him out to be a dummy. He's an architect. Archetype. Oh, he's just booby. He's just booby-grabbed. Watch your hands, Buster! But the thing is, she's a very loose character, and she—it's all about sex to her. So, but I mean, it's his plane. He puts them on a plane. They can't like leave. He's right. Like, so they're like, her. "Would you please help my brother? My brother is hurt. Help my father." And he goes, "We can pray, little Missy." I don't know. It's just nonsense. I'm sure it was—it was, it was parody. Blood. Oh no, Daddy! Please say something. <laughs> No, none of that. Oh, none no. Of that. No tears, no. <laughs> oh, he's, he's macking on her, too. Yep. Are Every you, new situation she encounters, someone will mack. And that's it, until the movie runs out of film. And it doesn't end in a smack. It ends with a... Whack! Oh, no, that's... No. That, that would be a... Yeah. It ends in a... How do you hump... Make a hump. A, a, a wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, for that Heimlich maneuver. Wham, bam, thank you, Mac, <laughs> for the Heimlich. But again, when you see the act, it doesn't really go down. You'll see. Uh, well, most guys don't. Okay, so <laughs> okay, so uh, let you want to listen to his ladders. Yeah. The military men are going to count off. This all of you. Hear me. This is special order number 902783. Just make a buffoon out of military people. It's unfair. My command. Huh? 
You're under the command of R.A. Smite, Brigadier General, United States Special Reconnaissance. And I'm a left-leaning person to say that. Oh, yeah, even as a lefty, you find this uh, unsympathetic. Well, no, it's just like you can see when they're making fun of liberals and you look at it and go, oh, my God, that's ridiculous portrayal. But you got so the same thing when you see the other side now that I'm older. Right. But you have to put this in context. This is like when they were making fun of uh, uh, people during the Iraq war. There was a war going oh, on numb. in 68, right? So, numb, numb, numb. Yeah. So it, w- it wasn't uh, polite to, to make fun of the military. Yes, it was, because it was, there was a counterculture. And by 1968, there was definitely protest against the war. I know in 70, that shot up. But I'm right. saying in 68, people were, you know, in 70, you would protest anything like um, the lunch counter to the I, I don't want to list it all because it's not coming to the tip of my brain but it wasn't just about NOM it was it was everything anything. Yeah. Yeah. The, at this time NOM was raging uh, now they're just doing a routine and he's like bragging you know <laughs> and they're making out him out to be a buffoon all those men counting to 24 without one error general you know, it's funny that watch this movie has glitches, and it's, and when Walter Matthau's on the screen, he looks like a robo thou, a thou, a robo Matthau. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm phoning it in, Dennis. I'm a robo. Okay, get robo Matthau in, Dennis. A minute, take shot. Dennis, Dennis, enter. End transmission. What's your favorite oh, Walter no. Matthau? I think we need uh, my favorite Walter Matthau was the robot in Grant in old in uh, uh, looks like Chuck's going to Tuna Town. Uh, oh, grumpy old, man? grumpy old man. Grumpy old man. Yeah, I'll put a fish in your car. Oh, and Buck <laughs> Henry was in that. Oh well, there you go. That's the connection. There is no Star Trek connection. There is lots of. Yeah, icky it's rape scenes. It's not really R-A-P-E. It's not really, though. No, it's but it's, it's uh, there's no real consent, and there's, well, no, not really. No, that, see, that's not true. It's like she's passive, passive, you know, like, I'm just too adorable not to do it with. Well, maybe and that's what we, like, maybe that's what we say just to justify it. I'm the third party who's not having sex with Candy. I'm on the outside looking in, and I got to tell you, she, she, the answer is yes. She told Mephesto she wanted to do it. She said to Ringo, if you, you know, if this is how you must have me, um, Emmanuel, I mean. Maybe that's the sexual you know, innocence. The... Okay, well, I'll tell you this. She's about to go into the cockpit and consent to being with him. And you'll see. We can listen when it goes. All right. <laughs> you said like, cockpit. It's a hard but... come on that's creepy, but she, and it's not cool, and I am on Candy's side. But Candy is like, uh, oh, all right. If you think it would be the best idea, if you think that's best, General. <laughs> it is for the country. Generally, you know, uh, when, he, when, he, when, he, when Walter Matthau told him he, he wanted to have sex, he was just generally speaking. Just, yeah, yeah. That was talk- she was talking about sex in general. Oh, no, not in. Oh, well, uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so right now the funny joke is that Walter Matthau thinks if they gave a blood transfusion, you know, brother to brother, that would be incest. You can't give blood to your own family. Is that true? And then they're, no, and now they're correcting him that uh, it, that's about it- sex. It, it's just, it's not a funny gag. Oh, my God, what kind of people are you? Is there no- <laughs> now that he knows. <laughs> 
Buck Henry. Buck Henry. Come on, Buck. We need page 17. Chop, chop. Okay, I'm typing as fast as I can because it's 1968. Right. Ding. <laughs> Sandy, take a... Um, uh, Marcy, take a message. Uh, uh, <coughs> transcription. Memo. Memo. Yeah. See. Uh, wire this off to Boston right away. <laughs> Plans in hand. Stop. Mail <laughs> right. today. Stop. Carl, do you know any good telegraph jokes growing up? I know a couple. You know, a couple of my jokes failed because I telegraphed the punchline. <laughs> well, there's what is it? Yeah, you got to stop doing that. You got to fax it the punchline. It took three days to get there. Well, you know, when I start, when you started off, you were telegraphing the, the punchline. Now you don't. You fax them. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. not an old fuddy-duddy. Okay, listen. Go ahead, listen now. I haven't got time for big words or fancy speeches. I'm going to say what I have to say just once, and I want you to read me loud and clear. Some of us haven't had time for the nice, soft, easy life. You understand? Some of us haven't had much dolce in our vitas. How can I help? Well, I want you to. How can uh, I help? See, that's the start of it. Strip down. But she's she she's an innocent. She doesn't realize that like he's uh, grooming her or whatever. You know what I mean? Like he he just she wants has sex. to see on her face every time. Yeah, I don't know. All right, let's listen to her innocence now. Okay. You're right, but she is an innocent. But she's surrounded by 24 of the finest boys who ever chow down together. <laughs> That's what she said. By yeah. God, for six years. Six years barreling along in the belly of this monster. I bet you can find that video of 24 military men chowing down on each other. Yeah. With each other. Without the USO, six years. With today's uh, internet pornography, you could. Oh, yeah. You know, there's a lot of good, bad pornography movies. In fact, I honestly yeah. think the worst movie I've ever seen is still Deep Throat, which is just terrible. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So if, I know what you mean by that. Yeah, so if there's ever, like, a, an opportunity, I would love to do, like, a, a Red Tube uh, presentation. There's a movie, okay, actually. Okay, let's hear his pitch right, now, because okay. she's going to say. Country. Give me one little peek. You make me peek. proud to be an American. Now, Here okay. she goes. Right? It is innocent, but... She's like she's she's she wants I don't know she wants to embrace <laughs> everything and she's she's complying to what they're asking and they can't stop licking their lips I mean there's, there's a now look here's the creepy it. part here's the creepy part because she's like you said you just wanted to look right oh he can't the general's going in now look see the mistake oh he hit the bomb thing yeah. And then okay, it, so what it is is they fly 24-7, they just land the fuel, and they're ready to deploy at any place on the globe as soon as uh, the president said, or the general, I don't know. Oh, so they're going to, are they going to time this with their sex? Uh, they're, you'll see that they, by mistake, hit the button, and Candy's ass went on the steering, so <laughs> they're descending now, and you see there's yeah, I see smoke or something. Yeah, that's from my ears. Phew. Now, there was no sexual assault. You can see the little ass crack when she sits, Carl. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's full back nudity, and I'm so into it. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> Look at the little V. <laughs> like a peace sign. Her ass is like a peace sign. I, yet I can't look away. Oh my god, this movie is too distracting. It's like a car crash with a sexy girl. <laughs> I gotta look. <laughs> okay, so now they all deploy. Oh boy. Oh, because they got the single. And of course, the aunt's like, I'm sorry to see them go. Massive retaliation. Uh, close up to the, to the bomb. Oh, no, the parachutes. Does it have parachutes with the bombs on it? No, they, it's the troops who deploy. Oh, deployed. They circle the globe. Yeah, and there's like a fighting force. So he sent the young man out to fight. Just so. No, he, he is, his, uh, Candy clicks a button. Oh, And then candy. he sat on the steering wheel. All right, now he's now watch gone. This. Wait for me, boys! Wait for the old man! <laughs> Oops. Now, this that? reminds me of Dr. Strange Love. Which was written by Terry Southern. Wow, that's yeah. a good... Uh, yeah. Uh, Terry Southern's known for stuff. I mean, he's, he, he's, he's written some classics, and he's a cult guy. But Right. You know. So that his out of his brain is that falling... Right, he drops with the bomb. He right. drops without his parachute. They so say the, it keeps close. To, okay, I'm sorry to interrupt you. No. this is New York in 1968. It fascinates me. Yeah, That's I was going to say that. I was going to say that we're in New York and there's no World Trade Center because it's 1968. Yeah, there's no World Trade Center for uh, for not for a bad reason. <laughs> they didn't build it to 70 like 74 or something like that, right? Uh. uh the World Trade Center was alive in 1980. They were building in 78, 79. Wow. They, they, like, ruined a neighborhood to do it, but everyone was cool with it in the end. Right. I was just, okay. All right. We're now we're UN? in a hospital where we're treating the operation like they're going to see a play or an opera, like some sort of performance that's the swank. Uh, that's good satire. Go that's good satire. Now, this is a real hospital, and this is a real observing room. And Buck Henry's father died in this hospital. Oh, really? What? Yeah. So, prior to the filming of this movie? Yeah. Wow, that's a lot. That's pretty heavy. There's a lot of luggage in this one. Well, he, the writer, right, you think, well, he writes it, and then he's not here, right? So yeah. it won't be so heavy. But he is here, and you'll see him soon. Oh, cool. And he's like young Buck yeah. Henry. Yeah. You really won't see it's really Buck Henry. I didn't. That's why I was surprised when... I mean, I knew the name on paper, but I didn't associate him with this Saturday Night Live guy. Yeah. I think he's also in the movie uh, Magnolia, the one with the... Where he was like a Los Angeles designate. He doesn't really show up. He shows up once in a while. Like people, I, but it's because people really love and respect the guy and they want to get, they would love to have him and what they're doing. It's sort of like he's semi-retired, yeah, and he gets yeah. called into projects. He doesn't make the phone calls. He gets yeah, he gets requested. You know, he was in uh, the grad, uh, not the graduate, um, the player. There's a famous scene in the beginning where real life Buck Henry pitches to Tim Robbins, the graduate, oh, too, wow. the sequel to the graduate. I gotta see the player again. Oh, I'm writing that, that down. That has my favorite Carfax scene of all time. You know, there's some movies where they have fax machines. 
and like Dolores right. Claiborne, like, oh, this paper that's coming out of the fax machine, it's fucking serious. But uh, the player, he has a car fax, as every right. executive does. And out while he's driving, this note comes out and says, I'm going to kill you. Right, because he was, the way he explained it is he's the guy who says yes to like seven movies a year, let's say. Right. Or maybe it's two or three, I forget. So it's like, what he chooses means everything to everybody around him, so. Yeah. Okay, this is Dr. Crankite, and it's James Colburn. Oh, James Colburn, I forgot he was in this. Oh, man, let's get every man with a crazy-ass voice in this movie. Yeah, that's right. Now, you can see they're parodying, parody. I don't know what they parody. Parody, yeah. Right, ing. I don't know, because... Are they making fun of doctors? Are they making fun of snooty audiences? I, I don't know. Well, they're but. playing they're playing bullfighting music, right? So they're making a fun of the spectacle of death that people would go to. I see get. Bull. Is that it? What? Now his 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 gloves will fit on like magic, and it's because they did it backwards. Oh, they shot the footage backwards. Yeah, that's insane. But he's also guilty on the murder of Nicole Kidman. Uh, no, Nicole Kidman, Nicole Brown. Because his gloves fit. Okay, look, see? They go backwards. But it looks like they are perfectly fitting on. Weird. Lynchian. Like he's got flipped on. They did now, that for the condom shot, is... too. And you could tell because semen's coming for and out. <laughs> <laughs> backwards. So, um... Uh, my penis acts like a vacuum. It sucks up all this sperm. So, um... He's pretentious. That's the thing that's going on here. I'm a big know-it-all. Let's give him a listen first. Okay, let's listen to the Coburn voice. Lymphococcus. As we know, this can turn now, into a condition. Now, it's daddy on the table, I should make clear. Mr. Christian. In which case... Who had a brain trauma on the plane, remember? And have almost full use of his muscles. I remember. His mental capacity would be just to today. level comparable with that of a rather mature cucumber. This leaves us with several interesting choices. Wow, there's a lot of pages of dialogue for everyone to, to uh, recite. Yeah, Crankite means illness in German, and he's Dr. Crankite. Oh, I wonder if he knew that. <laughs> um, in another place on the internet, they claim that Kronk, Dr. Crankite is also the name of celebrated vaudeville routine in which a patient visits an inept doctor. Cronkite is the Yiddish equivalent. Cronkite. Oh, the, so this is this is a little touch of vaudeville in this too. Yes, apparently. Yeah. Bespectum. Well, at least in choosing that name. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's this is entertainment for everybody, and that's kind of. By this one thing, a plot point we missed uh, in our discussion was in the audience. The uncle was creepy coming on to Candy, saying, "Listen, if your father dies, you can come live with us. Me and." Your Aunt Lydia. We're very liberal. Wink, wink, wink. Ah. Gross. All right, let's go. Commence with a subcranial incision. And then your double dog now. Come on, you're not a gynecologist. We suck. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, sorry, I'm in the wrong operating room. (laughs) He's a bad doctor. He would, uh, oh, I'll tell you, my doctor was so bad, Carl. Yeah? 
Um, How bad was he? I mean, he he, he would golf on Sunday, so he could go to work all day um, during the week. That's pretty bad. Usually, you golf Wednesday. I don't know. I can't think of a joke. <laughs> you know, your doctor's bad when he golfs on the weekends because he yeah. wants to get to work. Uh, yeah, no. it was, uh, Some, there's a joke in there. You're right. Now we're going to get funny blood splatters. You know, my doctor says it's time for a checkup, and he would take my check and lift it. <laughs> what? <laughs> checkup. It's time for a checkup. So I go to my doctor for the my annual physical, and he's checking me out head to toe. But the thing is, he stops all of a sudden, and he goes, have you been to a place where fungal infections are common? And I was like, yeah, my son's room. <laughs> You stay in there too long, you're going to catch something. Yeah, you get some, uh, you could go foraging for mushrooms. One of his doctors has like a bloody mask, like on his lips. Oh, they yeah, all have they, blood. Yeah, they incite, they're doing an incision and it squirts. Didn't we watch him? Now the vitals. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, girl. No, the vitals are down. He wants to blame the equipment, blame the other staff members. He's a pretentious buffoon. What were you saying? We watched a movie where there was like a silly doctor scene. Like, I'm trying to remember what it was, where uh, it was a parody of the way doctors work. Was it maybe Gas, uh, I think, from the Roger Corman movie? Uh, but it was like, it was yeah. putting on a big show. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, it was a great movie. The Gas killed everyone on over 30. Yeah, and, and so they... Gosh, I'm having a hard time remembering if that's what would what was describe the scene. Well, you know what? It might have not been, but it was like, oh God, I wish I, I remember oh. this movie. It was like a pompous doctor, and uh, uh, it was a big show. It oh, wasn't funny. It wasn't. And it was black and white, and it was the dog who the the dog who the spy who. who's Oh, had the a spy cold with a cold news. No, I well, don't think I don't it know. was that. That guy was a vet, and he was right. Wasn't that? Well, I'll come to me or not. But there was a film where the joke was his doctor was like pompous and it was really hard to watch. Oh, it was Myra Breckenridge. Thank you. Da, 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 da. Myra Breckenridge, when uh, it has the transition operation, the doctor that performs it, and I think it's John Houston. No, it's not John Houston, but it's some other. John Houston is in the movie. He puts on a show uh-huh. and everyone like applauds and stuff. And that was the parody. And it was not watchable. But I don't think I saw it with you, right? Have you ever seen that movie where uh, Rex not. Reed transitions into Raquel Welch? Gets a sex change operation, as they said back in the day. I have heard. It's a terrible movie. What's it called? What's it called? Myra. M-Y-R-A. Oh, it's terrible? Yeah. If you it don't was recommend on, I watch it. Well, if it was on YouTube, I would force you to watch it for, and then make yeah, it. Then yeah, I'd like it. Yeah. I would like that. Listen, can we find a Deep Throat cleaned up? You mean just the acting, the Harry Reams part? Yeah. Oh, well, your problem is that your clitoris is in the deepest of your throat. Oh, doctor. Uh, (laughs) Uh, Everything is so wrong about that movie. Yeah, I know. And it was just the first, or the first to get, I don't know. Oh, it it dumbfounded me that this country decided to go porn chic based on deep throat. Right, I mean, like there, yeah. was, there were films. They they made porno were films, and some of the films were films, you know, and yeah. they weren't as stupid and insulting as Deep Throat is. 
Well, the thing is, most of the time you just remember the first. You never remember the right. second. You but don't every remember remembered, But everybody remembers The Devil and Mrs. Jones. And I'm very sure that's because Deep Throat as a movie sucked. Yeah, it's the same director, too. Uh, and, and actually, the actress from Devil and Miss Jones is the woman in the in Police Academy, the one that blows the Lassant, the one that's in the dais. At the podium. Yeah, at the podium. She's actually a, a 70s porn star. There the was actress. also in the, the uh, Marky Mark movie with the big dick. <laughs> that one. Oh, yeah, Boogie when Nights. It was, uh, Boogie Nights. Everything's great in the 70s, horrible in the 80s. Uh, not Barbara Dare. Barbara what? There was real porn stars in that, too. Huh. Oh, cool. Bar- Barbara Eve? No. <laughs> okay, okay. Now she's backstage, and she basically goes through is the world crazy kind of scenes. She just wants to find Dr. Crankite and ask him, you know, is my daddy going to be okay or whatever. Right. She opens the door. Shut the door. And we're about to see Buck Henry in the elevator. Yeah. Was that it? She mentions she mentions Cronkite's name, and Buck Henry freaks Say, out. This woman me. pretends help? claims to be the mother Cronkite. of Doctor Cronkite. Do you know where I can find Doctor Cronkite? Ah, careful! There's Buck Henry. Oh my God, he is super young, and he's not wearing glasses. It's so off-putting, and he doesn't have a hat. Can anyone help me, Mama? I'm looking for Doctor Cronkite. <laughs> <laughs> I have to write his scene in the morning, by the morning. Right. And my father died next floor down. Yeah. Oh, and he got his head stuck in the elevator. I would not do that nowadays. So she wanders and... I want you to let him alone. What do you mean? This is the one that claims to be the mother. Sorry about that. And then her purse, this nurse uh, confronts her and is jealous of her. Huh. Well, we'll see in a minute. I guess so. So is there like a arc? I mean, is it, this movie's about the health of the father? No. Uh, yes, I guess yes. And yeah, it's about the health of the father. And in the end, okay, we had our sexually awkward scene in the beginning. Right. We learned that he's stuffy, 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 yes. right? And against, against. He was taking her away uh-huh. and he got conked on the head. And now he's... Yeah. A non-player, but the action re- revolves around him. And I won't ruin it for you, but he'll show up at the weigh-in. Okay. Well, let's see if we make it to the weigh-in. I'm ready to leave. I'm, I'm happy to cancel this podcast forever after this movie. Uh, really? It's that terrible? <laughs> it's not that terrible. It's just that it's... Well, wait till you see Marlon Brando. Oh, You'll I can't like wait. Yeah. God, I wonder what Marlon Brando was like in 1968. Well, he's not fat yet. That's a great thing. But he was crazy. Like he was, didn't he do like well, that that revolutionary movie around the time? Aviva? You might be right. Yeah. In this movie, he does comedy, which isn't really a Marlon Brando thing. No. And also, um, he's acting. He's good. He plays his part. I mean. All right. Well, that's good. Well, since you know he's like that boxer guy, and you know he's Godfather guy, and you know he's yeah. Superman guy, like he always plays the guy. Did you say and boxer one, guy? Carried... Yeah. Yeah, you're talking about uh, the water on the waterfront. Yes, on the waterfront. Yeah. And there was what else? Streetcar named Sire made him huge. Made him big. Uh, oh, and then the Wild One, where he was a motorcyclist gang. Right. Uh, he did a movie where he was Chinese, right, or Japanese. 
Uh, he wore the makeup and everything. The tea house. It must have been Japanese, I guess. I don't know. I don't it. remember. Okay, she's essentially wandering into an after party uh, of the operation. <laughs> oh, that's and funny. Everybody, anybody who's anybody's there, including like the patient himself. They're in the patient's room, I guess. Oh, but he's still resting. He's he's in a coma. <laughs> All right, movie. She's like, how do you know he'll be okay? You know, and she's like, he's a doctor, dig. <laughs> James Coburn, man. You must remember that scientifically speaking, the only difference between life and death is that death lasts a lot longer. <laughs> that joke is so obvious it's not funny in a way. Right. Two on the nose, as they say. Well, it is a, quite a good party. They're all dressed like 60s, uh, conservative, and there are some hips in there. Now, a huge crowd came in from the back and pushed everyone forward. Uh-huh. They're going to do the same with the plot very shortly. <laughs> Hopefully. Now, remember I was telling you, like, these are creepy, creepy men. Yeah. But Candy, even though she's innocent, she does understand what sex is. She wants to. She consents to giving it a lot of times. But now her scummy Uncle Jack is going to make moves. And she, and I think that is not... She, she does not consent to it. It's not cool. Yeah. Huh. So I'm with you for this, you know. Yeah. One. I think it's that she's innocent and if someone says, Hey, can you give me a hand? You go, Oh of course, I'm happy to give you a hand but she doesn't realize that, you know, he's pulling his dick out. Whereas now if I say, uh-huh. you know, Carl, can you give me a hand? you'll be like, Fuck you <laughs> Look, you see what's plugged into the back of daddy's head? Is thus drained off. What is it? Electricity. you know, it's a it's an outlet. Oh, uh oh. I see something happening. They gotta set this up, Carl, and then five minutes later they're gonna execute the gag. <laughs> he gets unplugged, right? Well, um the the, the ending. Not yes, exactly, the ending. You don't want to spoil the ending. Them, right. Right. Okay. Oh, unplugged because of a radio. Oh get now out of here. Now look here, magic carpet ride. You're all done, huh? Oh, wait a minute, wait you a minute. You don't know. Take your eyes, girl. <laughs> I don't know the words. <laughs> <laughs> you you don't know. Take it's... your eyes, girl. <laughs> That's funny, man. I don't know the you words. Don't know the words. You don't know what we can find. Why don't you come with me in the magic carpet ride? You don't know what we'll see. Tell your dreams to me. The magical set you free. Close your eyes, girl. Yes. Step inside, girl. Let okay. the sound take you away. Away. And then you've heard the 90s uh, Big V techno remix of that song by Junkie XL, where it's like, you don't don't know. It's in like an every 90s movie. I think it's I in Trainspotting. I, I should know it then. There's some songs that the remix is always used instead of the actual song. Like, uh, mm-hmm. There's an Elvis song that, that Junkie XL definitely remixed, so like A Little More Love, and uh, you always hear that remix version. Yeah, What's he doing? Yeah, he's, he's like saying, oh, you're tired, you sleep here. He's being creepy. Creepy uncle. Yeah. And by the way, his brother's going to fall out of the bed, and he's perfectly cool with that. 
Oh, it was her father's in there too? Right, in the pink. Yeah. Like it. Yep. Close your eyes, girl. No surprise, girl. My yeah, metaphors yeah. about him. So it's like, just take this acid. It's like a magic carpet ride. Mike don't know the <laughs> lyrics of the song. I don't. Why don't you just make them up? That's Carl, why did you tell me what do. they are? <laughs> okay, now, this is Dr. Dunlap who interrupts. And basically, he's going to unfairly blame Candy as a harlot, as a... As a oh, for, for falling asleep while her uncle grubs her? Right. That's the one. She's the troublemaker. Say that she's the troublemaker, and they keep trying to make that point throughout the film. When huh. it's like it, she's not the troublemaker, <laughs> you. Now this is John Houston, who's oh my really quite famous. Well, John Houston, I've come to the conclusion that I mean, he directed his first movie was The Maltese Falcon, which was a remake, but it's the one that you know I love that movie, and he's done yeah. a lot of stuff. But his acting career is so fucking insane. I mean, he was Daddy Warbucks in the 80s, Annie. Uh, and, but in the 60s, he appeared in every shit film possible. He was in Myra Breckenridge. He was in this movie. He was in uh, Casino Royale from the 60s. Uh, right. Yeah, he's just like, every time you need to some... I think that movie would have... A like, famous face, even yeah, though you don't yeah. have a good film. Oh, he was in uh, uh, Orson Welles' last movie, the one that Netflix presented... Uh, the one from the seventies, something a long last wind or something like that. He's he plays a director. Gotcha. Because he has that voice. He plays the director. In my book, you are a tart, a tramp, a trollop, a teenager. Oh, shaming me in front of the hospital staff. Now. Dr. Crankite comes in and it's like, hey, hospital administrator, fuck you. I'm the star of here. <laughs> what are you doing, Dunlap? Psychotic abuse. My God, John Houston and James Coburn talking together. My ears are going to bleed. Let me remind you. Yeah, I know. And let me right tell that. you. That's well, I'll tell you. Look how his hands are always sterilized. <laughs> like he's going to go into operation any moment. Oh, man. Okay, so now he's hauling off Candy to examine her. Oh, boy. They have no problem with that. And look, Dr. Dunlap's like, I will help you. And he's like pervertedly holding her. Okay, oh. now the uncle, who's really a cad, he got all sexed up, but he couldn't have any sex. He's fighting the nurse for some reason, and the nurse loses, loses, loses. Huh. Now what happens is they creepy talk about examining her. Oh, right, because there's candy on the bed. But then Dr. Crankite changes his mind. He's like, this chick's mine all alone. And they have a fight. And you should listen to the fight because it's good. (laughs) So I I think as a service for people who are not watching this movie, which you should, uh, Carl and I will tell you which voice is Houston's and which voice is uh, uh, James Coburn because I can't tell them apart. Okay. Let's get a grip on yourself. Get a grip on yourself. James yeah, Coburn right. has a has a grit to him when he talks. This is a cabaret. I am the serious one, says Houston. So that's that's Coburn. 
Well, they're going to... Okay, night. let's... Yeah, let's Minister. start listening now because the fight starts when okay. they say good night, right. mister. Good night, mister. Big time, beast of Pleasant dreams, Mr. Moneybag. Same to you, Mr. Sawbones. Thank you, Mr. Fundraiser. Don't mention it, Mr. Bloodsucker. I won't, Mr. Capital Gains. Okay, Mr. Butcher. Up yours, Mr. Scheister. Mr. <laughs> he shuts the door. Yeah, he shuts the door before he can reply. I won. I did. Final word. I closed the door before he spoke. Called him a shyster. You know what that's about, Carl. Yeah. Anti-Semitic. But the guy's not Jewish, so it was incorrectly used. Oh, yeah, right. So that's also an error. <laughs> you know, I have a friend. Um, his father is a Jew, but his mother is not a Jew. Uh-huh. He's like um, half a Jew. Right. He's like Jew-ish, you know. Half a Jew. Well, I, I always tell my daughter. That she's Jewish, so just drop it. <laughs> <laughs> but mom is a Jewish. You're Jewish. No, the mother has to be Jewish. <laughs> you're a pickle, Mike. No, you're you're Jewish. That's well, then it. She, my daughter converted. Okay, end of story. Yeah. I converted her. Her father converted her. She had to get rejected three times, right? That's the rule. Yeah, the rule of threes. Just use her as a comedy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so what happens is, so these type of movies where they're episodic and they have set pieces, I always like get bored and I go, what's the next set piece, right? Cause we've got yeah, because, new- right, let's move on. Yeah. I know what you're saying. Especially the thing when- is, I, movies like this, they start at the beginning and they go to the end. Yeah. It's not cool. Like, I want that three-act structure. I want that plot and twist, not just like, the world is crazy and I'm the same one, you know? Yeah, I actually like uh, like some kind of peril or some kind of like reason for the story. I mean, you could write a story right. and it could have even have three acts in it, but if nothing happens, if it's just a bunch of set pieces to get to the end, then there's, there's no engagement for me. So I would love it if like, you know, she has a week to live or something like that. Mm-hmm. What they, they're doing doggy style. Yeah. That's when the dog there, watches. Cut to the uncle. See, now, they didn't have sex. He was adjusting her back. He was just being a pervert. No, he was on top of her. That was gross. This is not the patient. Of course not, Dumbo. That's his brother. He never did have much staying power. Who's that, the wife or the uncle? No, it's the... Yes, the wife and the uncle. The uncle, of course, looks exactly like his brother. So the nurse incorrectly thought that he was the patient. Uh, now it's like, what has someone done to the patient? The patient's missing. Now, you see, before they have any sex, he goes, what are you interrupting me during an examination? You know, he got really upset. He said, I lost my patient. <laughs> that was good. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> it's so obvious, but that would still work. Okay, wait. My doctor is so bad. He must. Uh, he must be. Uh, he lost all his patients. Uh, sorry. So that's the punchline. My doctor lost all his patients, and I just got to write a setup and not talk about the, the procedure on the air. And I got myself a joke. Uh, yeah. How about you do my dog's my uh, sorry bedside manner? How about you do like my doctor's bedside manner was no was so bad he lost all his patients. That's genius. There we go. We, we wrote a joke. I think that's probably an existing joke. Uh, well, I'm sure no one's claiming it. <laughs> Do 
you think like Boys Life 1985 is going to be like, hey, that was our joke, and that was a Grin and Barrett highlight. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, oh, hello, boobies and tattoo above the boob. Yeah, it, what she's saying is this: I'm his personal nurse. Personal, I you know, and I've oh, been and branded. I've been, yeah. I'm his girl. I know she's chasing her out. Harlot fight. This has to be a like. Can't you see Rodney Dangerfield going? Hey, my doctor's bedside manner was so bad. He lost <laughs> his patience. I mean, can't you see him doing it? Well, you know his doctor, Doctor Vidi Booba. <laughs> <laughs> He offered me a cigarette. You know, he met the Surgeon General, Rodney. <laughs> yeah, did he? Yeah, yeah, he offered him yep. a cigarette. We had a smoke together. He was having a smoke out back at his... No respect. Loading. No respect. Uh, uh, when I was three, they played hide and seek. No respect. No, they played hide and seek when I was three. No respect. No respect. Why did he even look for me? Oh, I get no respect at all. What's the matter, okay, Rodney? Now we see that All of them are branded. Is- yeah. Well, there's your parody right there. He's branding the aunt. Oh, all right. He's like, hi, Hi, you're next, next, honey. And the aunt doesn't want it? No, the aunt wants it. She likes it for some reason. That That was a Sesame Street movie they never made. Sesame Street grabbed that girl. (laughs) Follow that Right. Okay, now, she runs out into the streets of New York. Oh, finally. Right, the thing is, you and I both know the layout of New York. It's 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 a fake New York. Well, no, that's Remember, that's see new. that? Yeah, Ninth that's from here. Ninth Street. Is it because there's nobody now, on the street? Now, all of a sudden, she's in the village. See that? In two seconds, she's in the village. Yeah, they're allowed to do that. I just don't see anybody walking on the street. Oh, there's one other person. That's me on the fuzz I guess box. they're allowed to do that, but they really break the rules. You'll see, Mike. Well, they okay, kind of right they kind of saying this. He's walking around the city. Yeah, and she's like got to be like what West Broadway right now. I guess it's and been a like while. Spring Street. She's way downtown. You'll see where she goes. Okay, so now she's walked into a mob den. She orders a drink, and then she's like, "But I don't have any money." <laughs> and, oh, do we have a famous actor playing a gangster? No, but there's a bunch of cameos in this movie, and I bet you they're sitting around that table, and I'm just too ignorant to know them. Right. Um, let me tell you the cameos, if I can find them. This guy looks a little like Peter O'Toole, I guess. Well, yeah, it's saying, the big man wants to see you. Who's the big man? Everybody knows the big man. <laughs> I don't know. It's like uh... Sugar Ray... Robinson. Something and yeah. Yeah, I saw and, that in the credit. So there's a bunch of cameos, and probably some of them are going on right now. They're so sixties the the cameos. Basically, they're going to be gangster type people and threaten if she doesn't play nice with them. You know, I don't know. They're gonna they're gonna fight. It's basically a rape threat. Uh, yeah, send them back there. So they uh, what was going to have a little accident. We're going to drive a nail through your foot. And then we're going to set you We probably just saw three cameos, and everyone right. in 1968 was like, wow, they got that guy. I can't guy. believe they got that guy from that show, Mannix. But now an avant garde filmmaker shows up. Man, this movie, just, I don't like these movies where you just go thing to thing to thing to thing. Right. 
Well, you know what it is? It's like you have a scene, like a comedic scene, something happens. There's an escalation and there's a, you know, there's people watching it and yeah. represent the audience. But then there's a scene where people show up and act crazy or the right. star the shows. the world's crazy. The world's crazy. Jerry Lewis shows up and he knocks everything down and that's the scene. Or Here's someone your cameo. Yeah, or someone is in a room and Jerry Lewis shows up. You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah. those are two types of movies. Non sequitur. Non sequitur. Story, I don't think his name is Robert McGay, but the book Story, it teaches you, like, when you're writing a script, the one scene must lead to the next, the right. action of the next scene. And it must go from negative to positive or positive to negative in terms of your emotional roller coaster of the audience. But these films that, like, start at the beginning and go to the end, they don't do that. You know, I, I have that feeling when it comes to Kickstarting. You know, Kickstarter will, uh, people who are making documentaries will go to Kickstarter and they'll say, Right. It's a subject about Dr. Seuss. And they, they people, I love Dr. Seuss. Here's money. And they're like, Here's the movie. Yeah. Dr. Seuss was born here and he died here and he wrote all these books. Yeah. But like a real fun documentary, there's something fucked up happens. Like Wiener, yeah. the documentary about Anthony Wiener. During the shooting of the documentary, he gets busted again for sex. And that was not called for, and that happened in real life, in real time, and it's interesting, yep. you know? Uh, and But other than that, it's just flat. I really hate a bunch of documentaries I've seen that are flat like that. Like, it's a thing about uh, philosophy, and they list everybody, you know, uh-huh. Jack, and so you go watch it, and basically it's everybody got 10 minutes of interview. Yeah. And then the documentary's over. It doesn't answer a question. It wasn't up. I mean, a kid's high school book report was better than this thing. Yeah, I know. And it's like, well, why am I watching this documentary? You know, I, I want something crazy to happen. I want something, right. inspiri- you know, something that I, I wouldn't experience, especially if I sit in a theater it's and a watch a documentary. Show. Yeah. Yeah. So you, some people just turn on the camera and let it go. And you right. just saw their raw footage. They, they get awards because people are stupid. I don't know, man. Have you seen a documentary called Three Identical Strangers? Yeah. So that film, like, they set up a premise, these three guys, they all look alike, and uh, then you know there's a kicker happens, it winds up there were triplets that were separated in the orphanage, but then it just keeps going, and you don't expect it. You know, it's not, it's not the greatest right. film, but the story itself is, is, is pretty fascinating. Like, I made sure I never At found out... At the beginning. Yeah. But when the second twist happens, it's like, wow, that's insane. You know, I, I never realized that. Well, okay. So basically it was the story of the discovery of the triplets, and then they were inseparable. Right. And then they were famous on talk shows. And then they made a restaurant together and had a big fight. Did you ever remember and that restaurant? No. In New York City, Brothers? Brothers. No, a triplets, triplets. Triplets. Was it called Triplets? Yeah. And they had their their caricature faces. But I don't want to give away what happens next, the revelation of, of the okay, reason. Okay, i got to yeah. interrupt now. Okay. Listen, I wasn't saying anything because it was just like, you are gorgeous, let me sit on you, you are great, you stare here now, you stay there now. And she's just like getting pushed around. Wait, he well, he, he has a camera of, uh, on her at all but times. But these are the... He, he's not being a perv... Okay, that's the wrong scene. Well, no, that's... He's not being a pervert. <laughs> between her legs. So... Cops who are going to be part of the plot now, is there such a thing in this movie, are overhearing this and are like being fascist kind of. Yeah, we got to break it down. Whatever you say, Chief. Or Sarge. It is St. Patrick's Day. Are they, are they Irish, the cops, in the 60s? Uh, they, no, they have new, thick New York accents. Oh, right. Throughout the rest of the film, they'll show up every now and again and be real fascist. They love to 
Bunch of hippies. Beat on hippies. Right. They're just hitting them. That's a good hippie beating. I haven't seen a good hippie beating like that since uh, Dead Show in 74. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Since Altamont. Yes, it's all. Oh, God. I saw that documentary. That had a twist at the end. What, the Hells Angels hired by the yeah. Rolling Stones well, got overzealous? Uh huh. And killed a man. Basically, yeah. They yeah. got offended. They got offended. While these famous like, documentary we'll guys were shooting the concert, and while all this bad stuff was happening, they weren't expecting it, but they were there and they were able to produce a film documenting. And that, you know, like I don't think tragedy needs to happen so I can enjoy a documentary, but I really thought that added yeah. an extra dimension to it. There's something to watch. Okay, once again, she's walking the streets of New York. Oh, it's totally then, unrealistic. She, she went from 3rd yeah, Street to 5th Street. The you went about 4th. Look, she's in, like, she's in Central Park. She's above Columbus Circle right now. I can't believe this. What the fuck and shit? <laughs> it makes sense. Did you forget about 4th Avenue? <laughs> Hey, I'm no better. I was watching the movie Venom, which I recommend, and it takes place in San Francisco. And during the car chases, they keep cutting from actual San Francisco scenes to shots of Atlanta because a lot of film work is in mm. Georgia. And it's you know it's a very complicated chase scene, so everything's quick and fast. But we're like, oh, there's no wall. It's upsetting. Yeah, because right. you go from like Grant Street. Oh, I know Grant Street, and then you go to Walton Street. I'm like, what the fuck's Walton Street? We literally <laughs> said. Why are there cobblestone uh, crosswalks? There's no cobblestone crosswalks. <laughs> <laughs> but then it's cut okay. to a real part of the city. So, All right. I just want to let you know that we are bumping into an extremely famous person who we never heard of before. Extremely freaking famous, this guy. And you and I just don't know him. Does he have a silly um, voice and an ugly mug? Because he'd be perfect for this movie. Did you see oh, the, the castle? Yeah, that's the Gloucester Castle, right? What's it called? Right, right, right. In okay, Central Park. Charles and Aznavoir. Aznavoir. Have you heard of him? Charles and... A-Z-N-A. I haven't heard of him. And V-O-U-R. I haven't heard of him. Okay. He is... Where is it? He did a lot of research for this film. Well, they just kept throwing the cameos at me, right? Right. Okay. He's, uh, like, had over a hundred hits on the charts, and he's written, like, hundreds of songs for other people, and he's, like, been in lots of movies. It's like, if you're in Europe, you know this guy's face. You and I just don't know him, but... Right. He won the... Greatest Thing Award at the whatever their Grammys is. Like I know, I thought like, that was oh, such a ripoff. It should have been Kanye. <laughs> <laughs> now there's this weird-ass scene coming up in which he starts crawling around the walls of a mansion. Okay, this is a vision... Okay, I'm reading from the internet. Not from the internet, it's printed, but it came from the internet. This is a visual reference to surrealist Jean... Cocteau's Blood of the Poet, oh. Blood of a Poet, 1932, where the character jumps into a mirror made of water after crawling over a hallway of doors. Yeah, you know, I, when I saw that movie, I said, I can't wait for that scene to be parodied. It deserves to be parodied. <laughs> so anyway, this guy's going to start, when the cops bust in, this guy's going to climb the wall uh -huh. and jump into a mirror that turns into water. Oh, all right. And that's the reference, Cocteau. Cocktail single, not Cocktail. twin. Oh, there he goes. He's gonna, he's climbed up there. That's foreshadowing. Oh, it's I not see. Time yet. 
Now, is this the castle, the one in uh, Central Park? No, this they went from that to like some side street in Chelsea, like twenty third, twenty. Not There's 23rd no fucking mansions left in Chelsea, right? <laughs> it's like brownstone kind of thing. Oh, I see. And I don't. And yes, today there are some still. Huh. So now she's like drying her clothes, and he's like, "You want a rub a dub dub." <laughs> and uh, he's going to get her on the piano and, like, be obnoxious. Right. And she's going to say, oh, this is unpleasant, but okay. I know you don't want to believe it. Okay, these are thieves who are, like, in the gang. Where is he? Where's the boss? What's oh, going? it says they're going like to... He's the boss. There's the boss. You know how to good brownstone? The Huxtables. That place was sweet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They had a great liquor cabinet. Uh, yeah, they're, they're, I remember that. It was a very special episode. So I went over and uh, I got. I had a screwdriver. No, I had a. I had a Bloody Mary. It was uh, two parts vodka, one part uh, ether. Oh, over at the Huxables. Yeah. Yeah. It was. I had a. You know, I, I had, had a Harvey Wall banger. <laughs> That's where, yeah. Uh, Doctor Huxwell gave you an espresso from his espresso machine. You hit the wall going down. You know, right. my, I haven't written a joke. One, oh, go ahead. It was three parts vodka, one part chloroform. <laughs> <laughs> but you were saying? Oh, I was saying that my I I haven't written a joke in like thirty years. All my Huxable jokes are about Jello pudding pops. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Thanks. I want to thank Bill Cosby for going into prison. He's you could, brought back. You could tell when a comedy show, like, what was it before or after the celebrity controversy based on their jokes? The same with Bill yeah, Clinton. Right. Bill Clinton was about, like, eating French fries, warlords. And then after the Monica Lewinsky uh, affair, it's always about Monica Lewinsky. But beforehand, they were. I'll making, say. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Because before it was like he plays the saxophone. And I'm going to say, remember when Cosby jokes were always based around. Jello pudding. Yeah, right. Or then there was like lifting your pants up because he was always on this uh, uh, crusade, you know, this moral yeah, crusade. Yeah, right. He turned into, yeah, he he shamed his own people. Uh, I don't know what the word to say is, but. He, yeah, he, he was a lot of shaming. Back. Yeah, it was. He, he was, was shaming. talking down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was talking down, but this serial rapist was talking down to people. So, but yeah, there's a there's another. Yeah, but we didn't know he was a serial racist at the time, so it was okay. Like I look at my old jokes, and my Kevin Spacey jokes are all about like Kaiser Sose and. <laughs> don't even okay. get me started about Michael Jackson. So I don't know if this is true. He's assaulting her on the piano with a pillow, and all the stuffings is coming out. Well, the, for some reason, the gang is dropping feathers on him. Now, you say assaulting, but what he's doing is being super annoying. He's uh, banging the the uh, strings, and she's holding her ears. It's oh, not I see. like a sexual thing oh, going I gotcha. on. Listen, here's what I'm saying. You shouldn't be so, like, immediately, like, anything that smacks of something no, no, inappropriate, no, this, yeah. I shut it down and go, I don't have any opinions for myself. If it has anything to do with sex and girlish, oh, yuck, oh, just, just. 
repulsive, repugnant. No, this, I'm not looking. This movie is a parody. It's a sexual parody that's based on a, a literature work that uh, a humanities piece that was about se- sexual sex and, and humor. And it's 68. And it's 68, where this is kind of the norm, which is the right. way our culture was. So, no, I get you. I understand. But uh, Now, the cops bust in, and they know that it's the big mob boss. So they're like, we've hit pay dirt. So now he's going to escape, right? Look, right. he scales the freaking wall. Uh-huh, and then he's going to go in the mirror. Let's listen to it. He jumps across the... He's up to the top of the roof now. <laughs> he's a uh, split. He's Spider-Man, man. And now he's going into the mirror. And that's a which is what I just one of think those they should have done at the end of uh, the Blair Witch Project. We'll get him. Yeah. He never did tell me his name. Gosh. If I ever see him again, I hope I recognize him. You see, does that sound like a woman who was just sexually assaulted? No, it sounds like a Cupid doll. Right. If Cupid dolls could which talk. Is, uh, which in 1968 with like Barbarella and I don't yeah, know. That's it just right. So you know, he offered this role to Twiggy. Uh, uh-huh. They offered this role to lots of characters who you would, lots of people who you would associate with silly woman stuff. Right. Uh, not Goldie Hawn. Um, not in front of me right now. Here it is. Gloria Steinem, turn it down. <laughs> okay, Twiggy, Joey Heatherton. Joey Heatherton. Playboy, Playboy Playmate, D.D. Lind. D.D. Lind. Hey, do you remember uh, Howard Stern had a joke about uh, Joey? I, I'm not even going to say it. <laughs> if it's Howard Stern, you might be smart enough to say yeah. it. Yeah. Um, Pamela, Pamela DeBarn. Don't know her. I'm with... Oh, uh, DeBarn. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The groupie. I'm with the band. I'm yeah. with the band. Right? I mean, that's a great book. the title role. Wow. I think she... Um, I don't know if she ever acted. I know that uh, wasn't she in like Frank Zappa had a group GTO groupies together all the time like album oh. where it was his groupies that performed something like that. Yeah. She was okay. A- we're just about to see a little gore. No, now we have a non sequitur. It's a strip club. Uh, it's a um, Grand Gruel drag club. Drag club. Okay. And here's a magician. Now he violently cuts her head. Oh. You're getting ahead of the story. Uh, 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 and there it is! <laughs> Whoa! It's the Wizard now of Gore all over again. The cop is inappropriately groping the girl, claiming that she's frisking. And, and so the hands. other cop is watching, uh-huh. and he almost has an accident, and boom, he does have a... Oh, he went he into a, Harle- a Harlem? A dra- drag club. Drag queen. It's a raid! That's what they think, yeah. Oh, the headless woman is even screaming. Yeah, I hate when cops do that. This is a nice theater they got. Man, they must have had a really cheap rent back then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I'll tell you, no parking. You have to drive your car yeah, right in there. You have to drive your car. This isn't a drive-in theater. <laughs> it is now, lady. It is now. And now we see, like, the... One, I don't know. The guy, the cop gets kissed, uh, and I don't know. Then he gets like homophobic, and then 
the guy wants to get beaten. You'll see. Okay, I can't wait. Here it is. Uh, come here, you. Be like. I told you the cop was Irish. I see. He literally says, "I'm Irish." Kiss me, I'm Irish. No, he goes. The, the, the drag queen goes, "You fascist!" And he goes, "Give me a break! I'm Irish." And then he kissed him. It's like, "Do you want some more?" And he goes, "I do." And he's like, "Sarge, Sarge, help!" Sarge can't help, of course. Well, he said, "I'm Irish," and he kissed him. God, can't there be one movie where cops aren't Irish? In 1968, they're not Irish now. Oh, and I heard that from Doctor Bill Cosby. He had a special that I really uh-huh. enjoyed about stereotypes, and he was saying, you know, how come oh, all the cops right. are Irish? You know. Yeah. So yeah. Candy now runs the streets of New York again. Uh huh. Which you and can't now she's stand. On the West. Right, because now she's on guard. Now, look, you know New York. Yeah. There is no way she went from 23rd Street to the guard, to the George Washington Bridge. You can't walk no in the George. There's no way you can walk in the George Washington you Bridge. You can. Yes, you can. You it's can? Fun. Yes, you but, can walk. To, uh, it's two miles. It's fun. It is, but don't... I've done it many times. But don't New Yorkers, like, hold their nose and they get into New Jersey and, walk, and turn around and walk back? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. So you go to Fort Lee and you park in this one park and you can walk across and it's cool. Huh. So you're like a healthy bridge and tunneler. You could spit. You could spit stuff. Why would you spit into the Hudson? It's the Hudson, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And it just spirals down forever. Well, it's, it's like you just made the river just a little bit higher. I I, I don't want to compare, but here in San Francisco, we don't spit off the bridge. We jump. (laughs) <laughs> oh. oh, didn't you see uh, Night Fever with John Travolta? Saturday Night, Saturday Night Fever. Oh, yeah, so right. We jumped. But, we jumped. But okay, that, was, but that guy was an asshole. Was a, all right, finally. She's on George Washington Bridge. She gets into the back of a truck. We don't even know who's driving and who's in the truck is this guru. What should I do with them? Throw them into the material world. But they're my only shoes. Throw them! <laughs> I love Marlon Brando. I fucking love watching him. And he knows that, too. He's, he is crazy. Well, the thing is, he's, this is the only time I've ever seen him doing a comedy, right? Well, The Freshman with Matthew Broderick, he was kind of doing a play off of his uh, mobster roles. That was so late in his career, I really feel like his day was done but you're right yeah no that was his big one you know have you ever seen the movie the island of dr monroe the remake with him yeah and he's he's joking with the woman uh with the black hair yeah uh, but that movie's kind of she had a little fame that one i forget her name uh brunette joey brunette yeah that's her name her name is her hair color yeah is that weird (laughs) (laughs) i don't remember i actually don't all i remember is that that movie was unhinged Hi, pleased to meet you. I'm Seth Jufro. <laughs> oh, I loved you in the Forty Year Old Virgin. <laughs> <laughs> What's your name, Brunette? I don't. I just see. I don't remember who's in that movie. Oh, I can't do that at the open mic. Then I thought you gave me a good. Oh show. no, this What's no. The, What's the idea? Her hairstyle is her last name. I wonder who has a last name like Blonde or. Uh... Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Well, there was four hot blondes. Um, they were not blondes. 
Non-blondes. Four yeah. non-blondes. Therefore, no. oh, Carl, hey, what's so, going on? Four no eyes. Don't you know? I performed, I, I performed to the four non-blondes in like my second stand-up gig in San Francisco. It was, cool. It was a woman's showcase, and I wore a dress, which is like such a amateur com- male comedy thing. Well, I'll wear a yeah. dress. <laughs> well, 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 and uh, they well, were actually in the audience. Original. There wasn't that many uh-huh. people in it at the bar, but at the bar, the four non-blondes were there, and they were wearing their hat with goggles. It was them. So I was like, <laughs> I squandered the opportunity to talk to them by performing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've done stuff like that. You regret it later. <laughs> Well, you perform and there's like someone famous in the audience and it's just like you go, it would have just been nice to say hello (laughs) instead of having to be an audience member to a bad set. (laughs) To a bad set. You know. Okay, listen, I want to tell you something. This documentary called Listen to Me, Marlon in 2015, Marlon Brando called this film the worst movie he ever made in his life. Wow. Uh, this film was entirely financed thanks to Marlon Brando's participation. I bet. Uh, Dr. Christian Marquand and Brando had known each other for a long time. Good friends. Brando agreed to do the film as a favor to his friend. Marquand had helped with this, helped with negotiations with uh, whatever, the premiere, the purchase of the Tahitian... Oh, oh, his okay. island. He right? had helped. Yeah, he helped him buy that island. So Brando loved him. He said he didn't like this per script, but he, had, he enjoyed filming the sequence. And other stars agreed to play in the movie. Because Brando was in it. Yeah. Wow. Well, I mean, he's doing a good job. Together. I mean, he's, he's acting, as you said. Yeah, he's what he's doing now is saying, like, uh, braggy stuff about Hinduism. And he is... I mean, Buddhism, and he's attaining, uh, (laughs) he never says nirvana, but it's called the void, and to get there, you have to go through seven steps, and first you have to learn how to breathe, and then he's going to inappropriately grab her crotch, where she's breathing from, he claims. (laughs) (laughs) Was it that loud? (laughs) (laughs) It went honk, honk. Carl, you must be breathing through your ass. (laughs) Sorry. I said you could touch my fanny. Yeah, well, I'm from England. (laughs) Right. Well, I know. Me bum bag. Back in Brighton, when a girl says you can touch a fanny, you touch a fanny. Uh Uh-huh. I didn't order it. This is not what I wanted when I asked for a fag. Nick, that was inappropriate. Oh, I guess. I'm not used to your lingo, are you? (laughs) <laughs> I love your cockney accent. Thousand ways of breathing. There's oh. also back and forth. There's up and down. There's breathing like the camel. There's breathing like the grass. You don't just breathe in and out, he thinks. <laughs> this is so bad. I mean, even without the the awkward sexual uh, hijinks, just these scenes, they talk for hours. And they're always talking at her, trying to teach her something or make her do something. Yeah. It's always, she's never with them in the plot, plan, I don't know how to explain it. It's, I don't know if I like this format for a film, just start in the beginning and go to the end. Yeah, there's no bumps to ground. You know, the, the problem about like pontificating is like, there's some movies that pull it off. I mean, the Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, where they give the big long speech about how second prize you get knives or whatever. That's fun yeah. because there also there's a lot at stake, you know. Uh, network where the Ned Beatty gives the big speech about how there's no governments, there's only seven corporations. 
it, right. there's, that changes his life. I mean, there's a reason for these speeches. The end of Chasing Amy when Silent Bob talks, I'm sure that was a reason for that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's eye-opening. It's eye-opening. Whoa, that long speech changed everything. A long speech in a movie slips the movie 90 degree, 180 degrees. You know what I mean? Everything changes right, after a big it's speech. A, it's a plot turning point, and it's being said for a reason. Not like here, when yeah. they just pontificate. That's why I'm, I'm not a Roman Catholic anymore. The um, That Pope, he just pontificates. Every Sunday. You don't get it? He's the pontiff? Okay, never mind. <laughs> By the way, I was never Roman Catholic. Oh, but you, you were for that joke. For this joke, I'm Roman Catholic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you have to write from what you know, and I've never... Had, okay, he's going to grab her fanny pack. So let's All right, let's, let's listen to okay. it. No, you're not breathing from here. Well, here. Oh, my God, he really no, did. I think, I mean, it seems to me it couldn't be there. I think it is. So soon. He found it so soon. It must be a sign. You can see why Johnny Depp worships this man. Lie down. Who's the guru? You or me? Well, you know the story ah. about the last ta- the last tango in Paris, right? There's the famous scene where he sodomizes yeah. her. Well, it's yeah, been revealed yeah. that it was she was she wasn't even aware they were going to do it. It was against her will. Yep, I know. You you've uh, you talked to me about that. I googled it. Yeah, yeah, it's right. Messed up. It's yep. messed up. So Brando's kind of messed up from the camera because he, he just grabbed her. It wasn't like an actor grab. He went and grabbed yep. her. So now he's going to walk her through the seven phases to get to the boy he claimed. Okay, step one, take off your clothes. Step two, never mind, I'll take off your clothes. Well, he's throwing away the material, her material buttons. He's throwing away her material things is what he's claiming. Oh, so I think someone's walking into the studio. Look how she has the flower. He couldn't pull it. Okay, watch. Fling! Nice. Hey, Carl, keep talking. Okay. So, it's a very confusing scene because is he using is he using fake religion as an excuse to get her naked? Because he doesn't seem so pervy. He doesn't... He's always acting in her best interest to get her through these phases to get to the void. He never really perves out. Is that true? I don't know. Okay, we're actually, I'm sorry, I'm a, this looks pretty pervy to me. Uh, I think I've stead corrected. Yes, he was tricking her to get her clothes off. Darn it. I have so much more, I want to have so much more respect for this movie. Okay, who's driving the truck, right? Who is driving the truck? And why are they going where they're going? Is it the truck's hauling cargo? He's the cargo. It doesn't make sense. Now we have a bit of a gag in which uh, Marlon Brando is like eating a big salami and drinking. And uh, she's like, I'm so hungry. And he's saying, you must give up these material concerns. You know, it's just him being a hypocrite. That's our joke. If Mike was here, I'd tell him to turn up the sound so he can hear his claims. <laughs> it's, it is kind of funny the way he delivers it. He is Marlon Brando, after all. Look how he's not fat. Isn't that great? It's like On the Waterfront was far behind him, but he's not a blob in this film at all. He starts to chunk up in Godfather, and that's 72 or something. 
Carl, I appreciate you uh, discussing Marlon Brando and his pre. Yeah, he lost. He gained a lot of weight. Uh... When did it happen? Was it Godfather time? No, Godfather. He was pretty. Uh, he, he was big, but I think that was in character. But he kept right. staying big. It was definitely on the island. So he didn't he stop acting. At some acting? point in his life, he just gave up trying to watch his weight, and people just still hired him because he was Marlon Brando. He was Marlon but Brando. the roles were much less, right? Yeah, but he's difficult to work with. I mean, the, the Island of Dr. Moreau is a fucking mess because of Brando and his weird shenanigans. Uh-huh. You know, which are funny, as long as you're not the producer of a film. Are they having so, sex? So they had to edit together what they had? Well, like, I think the story of Monroe is, like, he he wanted to keep his hat, he wanted to do this, he had that, you know, just this bizarre shit. just doesn't make any uh-huh. sense. The joke here is they keep on getting yoga twisted up, and the more every time you cut back to them, they're more twisted. <laughs> what twisted movie? Then we see Karma Sutra on the wall. So did he do it with her or not? Oh, and they've been doing okay. it as a truck. Yeah. Now some inclement weather has come through the. I want to call it a sunroof. It's not a sunroof, but the hole in the roof. Right. And we're going to have much more inclement weather, so much so that Marlon Brando, who's talking about material world, gets a cold. Uh-huh. So it's sort of more hypocrite of him. No, I couldn't have a cold. I transcend the physical, you know. Now that's satire. It sounds like you're getting worse. Nonsense. So you mentioned at the the end of the movie we go back to the father in the hospital bed, but in the meanwhile no. we no. Well, I'm sorry. At the end of the movie we go back to the father. That's as far as I want to go. But go ahead. Okay. Well, I'm just saying because I don't know what's going on or why this is going on, and I know we have 15 minutes left before the show wraps up. Oh really? What's our time here on the movie? Uh oh, that's a good question. Let me check. Let me. I can't see because I've got Chromecast going. 146. 146, and it ends at 20... 2, yeah. Sorry, I'm not muffed. There we go. It ends at 2.03, was it? 2.03. Okay, and you said how many minutes had passed? 147 at this point. It is going to be tight. Uh, Yeah, that's what she said. I'm trying to write a movie called Candy 2. Called what? Candy 2. Shouldn't we write... Open micer National Lampoon's Open Micers. Yeah, National Isn't Lampoon that really Open Micers. What we need to do. <laughs> open Mic Night. Have a National Lampoon's Open Mic. No, Open Micers, and they're a bunch of losers led by Tom Arnold, right. who. Uh... Right. And, <laughs> and there's a one guy who's like always getting booked. Oh, that's Kurt. That's Kyle. You know, he does. He's on the the. Um, he's the bad guy, and he does <laughs> all these. Um, uh, like he never does a bringer. He only does fundraisers they yeah like lust after his career and in the end they learned they don't want it if they had it because they have each other well yeah although i would say that kyle uh disappears after being everywhere and once that's usually how it goes it's usually one open micer who's everywhere it's always about him constantly and, and then you never see him oof. yeah gone do you mean you never see him from the open mics or from book shows? From just, oh, that's a good point. I, I was just from comedy in general, but. Because that happens. Like, a guy who's an open micer will suddenly, boom, somebody picked him up and, like, right. he's at the Knights of Columbus. Yeah, fundraiser right. For, 
right? And then just like all of a sudden he's nowhere again. Like he'll do that circuit. I don't know how you explain it. You like you just don't see his name anymore. Whatever happened to Vinny Fat Guy? Oh right. yeah, Vinny Fat Guy. But then there's like Timmy Fat Guy who's who just replaces yeah. him, and it's the same story. Oh, now they're in Las Vegas, right? Or is this That's New right, York for City? No reason. Okay, we're, they're in Las Vegas so that they can show that they went to the. They're now they're on that that desert highway that sure. leads to California to, to yeah. um, L.A. Uh huh. Here, That's... the movie's starting to wrap up now, but is this okay, actually a toll border booth? Patrol. Oh, it's the border patrol because there's no there's not really a highway because there's no toll booths. It's a freeway. You don't have to pay for it. Right, no, it's, it's, it's the border of California, which doesn't make sense because they weren't coming from Mexico. They just came from Vegas. It doesn't yeah, you're make right. any sense. <laughs> and they felt Vegas was too tame, and they're like, let's go to Tijuana. Now, when I was like, um, uh, oh, they went from 3rd Street to the, to, the, to the Central Park? That's ridiculous. You were like, ha-ha, come on. you got to give a movie <laughs> license to do that. They're yeah. in New York. But here, it's like, they went from Vegas and they're in Mexico and now they're in the border of California. <laughs> oh, come on now, Mike. Well, okay, we, now we, the cops from New York, for no reason... Show up here in Mexico. Well, they're, they're the Trump supporters. See it. There's the Trump supporters. They happen to be at the border. You know what they, <laughs> right, they were patrolling. You know what they say, what happens in Vegas winds up in Mexico. Right, at the border of Mexico, <laughs> California and Mexican border. It doesn't make... So yeah. Candy basically outruns the. I don't know. The car's trying to keep up with her or something. So strange. I remember you said, "Is this a Dodge Dart?" Like you wanted to see the car. Yeah, right. I was also there making a very lame bullet joke. Oh, oh. oh. Because uh, the movie Bullet was popular back then. I this, loved that. I saw a Bullet on your recommendation. Yeah. Um, it's a very cool movie. So, or I said a second time because maybe it always happens. Every single show. You've got me making a, something on a watch list and something to do at the open mic. Oh, good. I'm glad. I'm glad somebody gets something Every out of show. this. <laughs> oh, Here it is. Car. It's Go the player. Up. The player. Yeah, the player. I've got to rewatch the player. So the, check out the Carfax scene in the player. It's gripping. And also right. Buck, Buck now, Henry the in the is, beginning. Yeah, right. Pitching his, uh, no, I, what was it, two? Graduate. Graduate, too. <laughs> so he's graduated at this point. Well, I can't wait to see it again. Um, uh, you you don't have Carfax out in California. Yeah, we do. Yeah, of course we do. We do a commercial. Yeah, of course it's with a, the fox. Yeah. Okay, I bit my tongue making a pun on your Carfax. I know. thing like four I, or five I times. I appreciate it because Carfax is they sound like Car Fox, but or Car whatever that's called. But <laughs> it's, it's look. I got to show you this. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt you. No. She's now. Okay, Marlon Brando says, I've taken you through six stages. I can't take you through the seventh stage. You'll need a teacher wiser than me. Follow the, like, bird of paradise, the mystic bird or something. Oh, is that why so she's now in Mexico? She, Carlos Casanata type of shit. Now, the person who's leading her is very significant. Okay. And it's like shaman esque or something, although he doesn't talk. And what's weird is they show up in Los Angeles for a few seconds, and then they're <laughs> okay. See, they go downstairs. Right, they're in a shrub. Hidden. They're under a, a, a sand dune. We obviously just cut. Now we're cut. No, keep cutting. 
I mean, what's happening? Are they walking this distance? They're on a call. I don't get it. This footage reminds me, we might as well take the opportunity before we wrap up to explain the beginning and the end. Oh, they're in Los Angeles. They're in L.A. now. Oh, how cool is that? Look at that. Back then. I, not so cool. It doesn't make any sense. Oh, there's a star. They're, they're off of the Hollywood Walk of... So, that was Brando's star. Just oh, it kidding. was? Just yeah. kidding. No, <laughs> yeah, no, they, they were pulling it off after this movie was made. So the beginning of the movie, they're in, we're in outer space, and basically we see some galaxies and lights, and she uh, descends from outer space. And then you were saying at the end of the movie, they zoom out again and go back into outer space. Yeah, and it's, the implication is she has ascended. Oh. Okay, so... So now he follows this mystic. She follows this mystic and oh, with the bird know, he, into he has, like he, a temple. He has a two o'clock with Jim Morrison. That's the reason why they took this detour. <laughs> <laughs> I got to show. I get it. Yeah, because in uh... oh, in Wayne's World too has the same joke, right? He uh, Garcia's the Indian from the Doors movie, like a naked butt Indian. Oh, that's what you're referring to. Yeah, like the the dream that uh, Morrison Right, has. right, right. Now I'm with you. Yeah. Okay, so basically, I mean, we're doing all sorts of Buddhist, Buddhist, Buddhist stuff, but now we're going to see lots of Hindu imagery because the people who made this film are ignorant bastards. Yeah. Uh, well, hey, oh, Carl, yeah. I think we're, we got eight minutes left on our show. Uh-oh. Oh, boy. So we yeah, recommend we you doing? to stick with this movie, even though our podcast is going to go. There's nothing interesting that we're going to say wait, other than, uh, wait, yeah. You're not quitting right now, are you? No, I'm not. I'm just prepping. I'm just saying, okay. like, you're saying that there's a big bang for your buck at the end of this movie. And, and uh, so you should oh, stick I'm with sorry. it. Let me, okay, let me not misspeak. Okay. There is the payoff that's a big bang for the buck. It sucks. But it, there is a payoff. And that will happen way before the end of the movie. The oh, good. end of the movie... It should have ended, but we're okay. okay. She walks through a park, and every single player that we've seen in the entire movie, from Mephesto and, and, and Ringo Starr, all the way to the end, Marlon Brando, we'll see again at this field. Uh-huh. And it's kind of nonsensical. It's like in Dr. the game. Crankite. It's like in the movie The Game, where, where Michael Douglas walks into a commissary, and like everybody he saw in the streets are there. Right, 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 right. That was a. I like that movie I like very that much. Movie. That's a good San Francisco movie. He's fifty and years like, old, Carl. That he's like, I'm fifty. I'm bored with my life. <laughs> yeah, and I'm rich. Yeah, you know, super rich. Me as the Wall Street guy. Uh, no, he has names on a building. He has a house on Broadway. I mean, give me a fucking break. Yeah, and he has a house okay, in Handman. Okay, so you could you could see that the Hindu temple for no reason is collapsing. Uh, well. Gotta get that that music going. Uh, This is Death and Wolf. Um, This is um, the Beatles song, She's a Woman. Okay. And it's a remake. It's a Steppenwolf covering it? You see what's happening here with the shaman, right? He's touching her up. Yeah. And now is the scene in which she will really have sex. She clearly will have sex. Huh. With a guy wearing a mask. Well, he's wearing like a caked up thing, and now it's dripping off his face because there's water above him. There's the Karma Sutra. Yeah, on the wall. That's good. That gives you a reference point. Usually during so sex, I want to look at something. Down, and we're going to find out who it is. It's the big reveal. 
for me, this is the end of the movie. Okay. And don't tell me it's... Well, don't tell me. We'll see it in a second. It is who I think it is. Now she's really having sex. You know, it's good to have... That was before pornography. They had to put picture... They had to put a Kama Sutra on the walls. (laughs) Right. With the elephant trunk. Yeah. (laughs) I wish I had the trunk like that. So So now she's like, Daddy, Daddy. She sees it's her father. Yeah. We spent two hours to get to this. Yeah, that's our payoff. Man, this movie sucks. Yeah, fucking jerk. <laughs> I'm saying that because I, I want to justify this movie on this show. We're only watching it because it's terrible. All right, listen, I got to go to Clifton. I have a fundraiser. Like a dick. No, I don't <laughs> oh. have a fundraiser. I have like a St. Patrick's Day. I don't know. Oh, there's everybody in the field. To... So she's winds yeah, up, she slept with her father and then they all laugh at him. All right. right. Oh, yeah, we can wrap this up, Carl. How about that? That sounds... Uh... Well, no, I, I'll just uh, start being yeah. mobile. And okay. you could stay... What do you want to do? There's hardly I... any movie left. What well, time I is s- it? I say we get to the bitter end. We're, we have five more minutes. Great. Let's do it. Uh, yeah. So you, you were making fun of open micers doing fundraisers, and you have a fundraiser? <laughs> I, I, I laughed because Sorry. I did this bet show, and it was exactly that, a fundraiser. Am I going to disappear? And be, uh, you you made me laugh on Facebook because you you use your Photoshop skills or your Microsoft Paint skills, and there's a show flyer <laughs> where they announce the headliner, the feature, and they mentioned that the waitstaff is going to be performing, and you you <laughs> they, you were mentioned in your post. You said I'm not mentioned, so I added myself. Right, and I never it, make the poster. <laughs> yeah, the waitstaff made the poster. Not not to stir up shit, Carl. Sorry, I was distracted. Hold on one second. I'll be right with you. Okay, well, maybe we should wrap up. All this crazy shit's going on. There's a guy on a horse going into some mist. I think they lost the plot. This looks like a Pink Floyd album. Oh. This is the saddest Woodstock I've ever seen. Is that a bread line? Oh, these, oh, that's the gangsters. Oh, we got different colored flags. I don't think they mean anything. There's a doctor and a nurse. They're passing out heroin. He's shooting them I'm up. I'm back, sorry. Carl, this what is... What he's doing there is he's giving them a drug that makes them turn into little children. As you watch, everybody he injects uh-huh, becomes they walk, a little kid. So they walk through the flags obscuring the, the scene and then I can look at... That's the worst heroin. I was promised heroin. All right. <laughs> So we recommend you to keep watching it because it keeps going on. Because as Carl says, this movie begins and ends. Carl, you ready to hear about the movie next week? Yes. Do you have a trailer for us or are you oh, just going to tell us? Uh, I should find it on a trailer. I could I could tell you and I could look for the tra- I should look for the trailer. God, I'm just so refreshed. We'll close with the trailer then I'll play the music whether or not it cuts off. Uh, let me type it in now. My uh, engineer left the room. There's no engineer. Show What's so much. the title? Oh, is he waiting to reveal? Yeah, it's America Three Thousand, and uh, this movie is Didn't from 1986. No, we're we're seeing it on the 24th, Carl. We might have pre-recorded oh, the episode. Oh, all right, so here because <laughs> we got a show. Didn't we? Yeah. See that? All right. So thanks a lot. We're going to close with the th- the trailer. 
uh, as Carl drives off to a fundraiser. Uh, the movie is from 1986. It's called America 3000. I had the movie poster on my freshman dorm uh, room, and I finally get, we'll finally get to see it next week. Uh, yeah, that was really good. <laughs> well, I don't know. I we mean, haven't seen it yet. for our show, it's yeah. like a good episode. That's what I mean. It was not really good. So it sounds like MGM. Carl, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, audience. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. One of the leaders in home entertainment. It is 900 years after the great nuke, and the roles of women have changed dramatically. Much to the displeasure of men and mutants. For it's a new kind of war being fought, with a certain kick to it. America 3000. Meet Corvus. He's a scholar. He's a spy. He's a man who falls back into the 20th century and lands the most important job in America. Mr. President. Mr. President. The President! Me for President. Meet Vina, the virginal queen of the Thunder Warriors. Yeah! It is up to Corvus and Vina to bring a little civilization back into the world. What's it, man? Feel. I'm a man. Corvus and Vina. Oh, my. Two lovebirds out to...